Kevin, what's wrong? What happened? It's terrible. I'm, I'm devastated. I can't believe it. I'm doomed. What happened then? What's going on? The worst thing that could happen to a pastor. No, 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 not that. Yes. I walked into my office and this was slid under my door. Well, who do you think would do that? I think it had to be the deacons. I mean, who else would do it? Probably Brennan and Helsel. They're ruthless. Yeah. But I, I didn't think even they could go this far. So what do you think that means, or else? Well, when I came in, I also saw that. They took two of my deer mounts, and they warned me and said, he's next. How ruthless is that? And, and who knows what would happen after that? Could be anything. They're ruthless. I can't believe they would go to that extreme, though. Yeah, me neither. But they took them, and I really don't think I have a choice. I think I have to do it. I think I have to preach on giving. You want me to call the prayer chain? No. I don't think that's true. I, I think I just have to realize that it's, it means the end. The end of what? The end of the video. Yeah. Because I'm going to preach on giving. Oh. <laughs> For the record, um, no demands... No asking, no coercion uh, to preach on giving. It was decided by the Holy Spirit months ago. And for the record, and especially if you know um, Holly and you know Steve, they are absolutely wonderful people. They are not ruthless or brutal at all. They are great and awesome and great and awesome leaders. So I just, just want to set the record um, straight about that. It is um, something, though, preaching on giving, that churches and pastors avoid, uh, and they avoid like the plague. And there's a couple of different reasons for that, uh, because there's a lot, of, a lot of pushback. There's a lot of things that happen when you step into that truth. There, there's pushback from people who are our guests. Maybe you're one of them this morning. One of the things that always is in the, the top um, of surveys when people are asked, why don't you go worship at a church? This is one of the responses that's given. Always in the top three, because all they want from me is my money. Yep, not true. I can speak to that personally as a pastor. I can speak to that on behalf of the body of Jesus Christ here. What we want is for you to know Jesus and be in a right relationship with him. That's what the hope is. That's what the desire is. So I just want to set that record straight. Also, there's pushback and, and, um, and responses from, from regular worshipers, partners in the gospel on giving when you preach about it. And, and I, I've thought about that a, a, a lot, um, why that's so. And, and I think... That's why Jesus spoke about it and wrote about it more in, in the New Testament than anything else. I don't know if you knew that. 
because it was related to something very important and really what the truth that we're going to look at this morning is related to. It's related to the heart. That's why Jesus spoke about it more than anything else, the heart. And a great example of that is, is when he's speaking to the rich young ruler, he, he talks about what's most important, the things that they needed to do, that kind of thing. Jesus cuts right to the chase while well, he plays with him a little bit in terms of follows along with what it is that this young guy was trying to get. But he cuts to the chase and he speaks about the heart and he tells him eventually, because he's asking, what do I need to do to be in a right relationship with God? Jesus says this, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Why did he say that? Because he went right to the heart. He knew that that's what was the hardest thing for that young man to do. It's what he was holding on to. And I think today in our culture, we struggle with that, just being honest. That's why it's such a touchy subject. That's why it's so hard to, to talk to people about financial stuff. Because if we're really being honest and we're really opening up our heart, we would know the place that it has there, how important it is to us, how much we value it. It's all immersed and saturated in our culture, and it has impacted us too. And that's why Jesus speaks about it. And that's why he shares truth. That's why I'm sharing about it. Looking at his word and his truth about the heart. And I want to end all rumors before they start. We're not going to be asking you to have shares in a ministry this morning. We're not going to be telling you what your giving can give you as far as where you sit. By the way, do you know that those things used to be done? Good old days. We're not going there. In this message or any message about giving or from the church leadership, you're not going to be asked to give a certain percentage. We're not installing ATMs or anything else wild and crazy that you might hear or think about, the only thing that this is about is what? Your heart. Are you willing to open it? Listen to the word and the truth of God as it comes to us this morning. The truth about the heart. Second Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 7. Hear the living and life-changing word of God. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they were able, to, that, that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. They did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. This is God's word. It might be written on your hearts, lived in your life. 
So what's going on here? Well, <clears throat> the bottom line is, is that the Corinthians church is being invited into a giving relationship. Paul, who was a, a missionary, a church planter, a church leader, invites them to excel in the grace of giving. You see that at the, at the very end of the passage. To join others, other partners in the gospel, in giving from the heart. And it all starts with um, Grace. Read that in, in verse 1. There's a connection between grace and giving. And I wonder if you have thought about that. How many times, I want you to think about this, how many times, and, and maybe you've had a conversation lately, maybe not, how many times when you've had a conversation about giving, has grace been a part of the conversation? I can honestly tell you my own experiences and conversations. I've had hundreds, thousands of conversations about giving, and it's only happened maybe once or twice. You almost always, when people start talking about giving, there's a couple of things that come up. They want to ask me in terms of truth about necessity, obligation. Is this what God requires really? Is that true? Does he say we must give? And then, of course, a lot of conversations about what that looks like in terms of amount. And, and I, I couldn't possibly cover all of the questions, but so, so there's, there's questions about, you know, is it okay to give, you know, once a month, every week, once a year, quarterly? There's questions about percentages. You know, is it really 10%? Is it 20%? What is it? Do I give off of my gross or my net? What about if I'm, you know, having a hard time? What if I'm unemployed? What if I'm a senior citizen? All of these questions come up. And I want you to think about that and think about grace. See, these, these questions, and I think they, they, they have been asked genuinely. I think people really want to know, well, at least in most cases, But you see, when you start talking about things other than grace, what it's really pointed at, it's about doing, right? What must I do? That's exactly what the rich young ruler asked. But there's where you have to take a step back and you have to say, well, wait a minute, this is not about doing. We really want you to get that straight. And hopefully by the time you, you, we're, we're done looking at this passage, you'll, you'll grasp that wholly and completely. It's about being. It's about the heart. That's what giving is about. It's a heart thing. That's how Jesus always approached it. In fact, if you go back to that 10% thing, way back in the, in the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Bible, God only responds with that because they were demanding, well, well give us a starting place. And says, okay, but I want you to know it's about your heart. It's not about doing. It's about your heart and God's grace, a response to God's grace. You see that even in verse 1. Here it is. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the what? The grace. The grace of God that he's given to the Macedonian churches. How is grace connected to giving? Well, there's a number of things that are brought out in this passage, in this great and incredible example. 
and I just want to touch on a couple. There's a lot of them. But grace is so hugely important. And so these Macedonian churches, and by the way, that's an area that is now Greece, and so you think the boot Italy, then you think Greece. Macedonian churches, and the current Corinth church was one of them, are, are giving. Giving in a profound way. But what do we read about them? Verse 2, look at that with me for just a moment. Out of the most extreme and severe trial, most severe trial, what does that mean? Things were hard. It was tough. Something was going on. More than likely in that day and age, the things that caused um, economic impact, that impacted people severely, had to do with a famine or a drought. That's what John Calvin uh, attaches it to. And I think we understand that. This is an agricultural area. And we hear about crops being bad, and we think about all of that stuff. Um, It impacts people in a big way financially. It just does. And yet this is a culture that's even more dependent on agricultural uh, returns and so forth and so on, on having crops be good. So there's a severe trial. That's important to note. Things are hard. They are difficult. And you go on and it says extreme poverty. So, so they were hurting. It wasn't a good situation. But there's something else that's there in verse 2. Do you see it? Severe trial. Extreme poverty. What else is there? Overflowing joy. How in the world can they have overflowing joy when they're in the midst of a trial and they're in a tight, tight place in terms of finances? Because of grace. That's where it starts at in verse 1, right? We want you to know about what? God's grace. We want you to understand. We want you to learn something about what's going on here through this example of these churches. Things are not good, but but they have overwhelming joy, overflowing joy. Why is that? God's grace. They understood this was a church plant. They knew who Jesus was. That had been revealed to them. That out of God's grace, he sent his son to, to, to save them and save them forever. Do you know that, right? Redeemed by grace. And that was a difference maker for them. They were filled with joy about it. They understood a new grace. That they had everything that they needed in that moment in Jesus Christ. And in the New Testament's filled with those understandings. All of the promises, 1 Corinthians 1, are ours in Jesus Christ. They're all fulfilled. They, they understood that they had joy about that. There's an obvious question, right? How about us? Joy, overflowing joy, simply because we're redeemed? I would surely hope so. It's the difference maker in life and in death, right? And that impacted them, knowing God, knowing grace, knowing that they were redeemed. It changed who it is that they were, just as it does 
you and me. Grace. And grace that was given so what? So they could be gracious. That's another part of this truth when you look at that. And and I had to read uh, verse 2 a few times. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. And all that, that saying, you can read it as, as many times as you like. It took me a few times to get it. Is that what's God's grace manifesting itself in who it is that they were? And that's why grace is given, so that it will be lived. It will be claimed, it will be understood, but then it would be lived, right? You are given grace so that you would be gracious and you would share that grace. You would tell others about Jesus Christ and you would be Jesus Christ to others. Is that not true? That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You're you're following in who it is that he was. So incredibly important. And that's what it is that they were doing. That's why this is such a powerful example. What a great example in the worst of times that they were being gracious. They were giving out of what they did not have. And they weren't doing it, and you don't read anything here about amounts or gifts or, or paybacks or loans or anything. like that. They were just giving because that's what God laid on their hearts is who they were being. It's that simple. Grace had impacted them. And it was revealed just in the living of life. So profound. The connection between grace and giving. It creates a response of the heart. And you can see that later on in the passage as well. Two different places. One is in verse 4. You see that they urgently pleaded with us. Urgently pleaded with us. Excuse me. For the privilege of sharing. Urgently pleaded for the privilege of sharing. They weren't, they weren't asked. Somebody didn't come and knock on their door. They were told, hey, this is what you must do. None of that. They asked, can we be included? Can we have the privilege? Why would they do that? Because they understood a new grace. So let us tell you so you know about grace. That's what we want to share. That's part of the invitation. There was this desire and this passion in the heart of these churches as partners in the gospel to give. They saw it as a privilege, as an opportunity. That's why they did it. And I wonder sometimes, you know, we, we have a, on one, one level, just a little caveat, a little extra nugget is that sometimes we struggle with that, right? We exclude people before we even give them the chance and an opportunity to give. And that can be true of, of, and by the way, giving financially is the easiest thing. So we can make assumptions about a person's financial means and and wherewithal. We also do that about their spiritual giftedness, right? And so we tend to to not look here or to shove aside. And there's a lesson to be learned in here for the church as well. These people were passionate enough, filled enough with the Holy Spirit. With grace, they understood what it meant to them 
that they asked, they pleaded for the opportunity, for the privilege of giving. How is that? Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, I've seen that, and every time I've seen it, it's been refreshing, awesome, great. It's a thrill to the heart of God when somebody has that in their heart, and that's how they understand giving. And not just that. But they gave beyond, as you see in the screen. Will you back it up? I know I'm kind of going all over the place. They gave beyond what it is that they were capable of, at least on paper. And that's what grace does in terms of equipping and empowering. And I I have a lot of great stories about that, too times when you think, you know what, I, I can't do this, and you, you're, you're looking at everything. And you know, when you have that grace and that desire just welling up in you, and you, you give, guess what? Things work out. That's what was true for these people. Giving beyond their ability. And even more. It, it just was was incredible. That empowerment, that equipping that grace gives. It's what they had. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's other things in terms of connection with grace, in terms of connectivity, doing more through sheer numbers, a church, a body of Jesus Christ. But it starts a lot with with passion and with your own heart. I heard a story um, from a friend of a family that was in their church, and they had announced um, one Sunday that they were going to take up a, we call them love offerings, for a family in their midst. And so um, the invitation was given, um, and they said, this is what we want you to do. We want you to, to pray about it. We want you to go home. We want you to think about it. And then come back and just simply do this, um, put an offering in the, in the plate that just says for family on it. There was a family that took that to heart. They went home. They got all fired up about it. Um, from the, had a lot of, had, I don't know, four or five kids, big family, and they're all charged up. Kids are talking about it. I just love that. It's an intergenerational thing. They got all fired up, and they just decided. They prayed through it. It was the topic of their lunch that day and said, how can we help this family? What can we do? And so they all went off and started doing all different kinds of things. Everybody in the family committed to it. <clears throat> and they, um, the time came, I think it was three weeks, and uh, they brought everything that they had to remember the family, and they were astounded by what God had done. And so they were filled with joy. They put it all in an envelope, and they labeled it uh, for family. And they went, um, and as they sat that morning in church, then they gave it, and the kids were just filled with joy and beaming. It's a great experience. And so they go home, and they're eating lunch, and they're praising God. That was the topic of their... They just were filled with joy that they were able to do that. And then, just as they're finishing up, a knock on the door. Here comes the church leader. They open it, and the church leader who announced... The giving. 
And he says, the church just wanted to give this to you. And he hands him an envelope. And the whole family's there. You can see on the envelope their handwriting. Poor family. And they're stunned. Leader sees that, kind of fumbles around and says, well, just wanted you to know we care about you and leaves. Kids start crying. It's a tough situation. Like, what? We're, we're the family? They had some really wise parents. They sat them down. They prayed. They praised God some more. So what an incredible privilege that we would to be blessed with this gift, but then beyond that, and when they opened it up, here's the, one of the kickers, one of the reasons the kids were crying, there was only a fraction more than what they gave. They had given like 75% of that gift. So they prayed about it some more, and they decided that God had blessed them enough and that they would be a blessing. This was way more than they felt that they, they really deserved, so to speak. And so the next Sunday, they went back in, and they put it back in the offering plate. They had a passion and a desire, understanding God's grace, to give above and beyond themselves and to take heart in who it is that God was. That's what's going on in this passage a heart and a, an understanding of grace that enabled them to be something that was beyond them just profound because it was all about their hearts do you read in this passage anywhere I encourage you look it over do an exegetical study tear it apart do you see anything about amounts in here or percentages when he's given this example does Paul say hey by the way they gave X amount of dollars they gave X percentage of their income is that what he's pointing at here and what this truth from God is all about no what does it mean then when it says this their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in what rich generosity what is it speaking about it's speaking about their heart And it's connected to grace. The first truth was that he enables the giver to give beyond their ability, empowers us. And the second is this. Knowing God's grace in our heart creates a response of gratitude and joy that impacts who we are and how we give. So you're empowered, but then it also impacts your response it gives you gratitude and joy knowing God's grace. That's why they say we want you to know about the grace that God has given. It changes someone from the inside out. That's what happened here. It's a powerful example. And there's a couple of things that, that demonstrate that. One was, again, they were pleading for the privilege that speaks of their, their gratitude and their joy. And then this as well. 
um, verse 5. Can't overlook this. <clears throat> they did not do as we expected. So, so they knew the, that there was a famine. They knew that things were tough. And, and what's right after that? But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. First. And I know I've shared stories personally about a, a turning point in my marriage and my wife and I about giving. It's when we decided to stop giving the leftovers and give to God first. It changed things in terms of how it is that we gave. And we knew that we couldn't do that any longer. We just had to do that out of the, the joy and the gratitude that we had from God for everything that he's blessed us with. Not expected. And then it says, in keeping with God's will. And so you connect that to grace too. Do you understand what is being said there? It's God's plan for you to have gratitude and to have joy in your heart. He, he, he doesn't care about what that looks like in terms of amount, percentage, all of that business. That's not his, his thing is your heart. Do you trust him? Do you believe that he is who he says he is? That he'll meet your needs no matter what it is that you have on paper. God's will is that you don't look at it as an obligation, a must do. That's not the point. As has been said by many other people, God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need yours. He doesn't need mine. He wants it so he can see inside. He wants us. He wants our heart. That's his will, that there's gratitude and joy for grace, that we understand it, that we know it. That's his will, and that we'd be so filled with it that it'd create a response that nobody expects. Profound. And that's the invitation. That's the invitation that was given to the Corinthian church, and that's the invitation that's given to you and me to excel in the grace of giving. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, that's for you to figure out, for me to figure out, for all of us. What does it look like to excel in the grace of giving? To have the kind of trust and the kind of faith in God that we know that he's going to meet all of our needs. That's what he promises, Matthew 6 again. What does it look like to be so filled with joy, to be so filled with thankfulness and gratitude? And does our giving reflect that? What does it mean to excel in the grace of giving? Well, I hope we keep asking the question. That's what God desires. That's what God hopes for. That's what his will is. It will be so full of faith, of trust, of joy of gratitude. Then when we talk about giving, we never mention amounts and percentages. We don't ever look at it as a must-do. 
but as something that we can't help because of what it is that we have in our hearts for God and what it is that He's done for us. And I, I remember um, going way back to the first church I served in. And um, so honest admission to when we talk about faith and we talk about trust, one of the areas that that has come up with for me often is in the consistory room. And I'm sure that when these people, these Macedonian churches, these partners in the gospel were being led to give and to give in a way that was extraordinary, in a way that wasn't expected, they probably heard all of the comments from their neighbors, friends, family members. What are you? Are you crazy? Are you a fool? I'm sure they heard it. Those are things that come up when you start talking about ministry. We just adopted, by the way, a faith-based budget. There's significance in that. That's what that means. We're going to trust God. Yet that's one of the places, I'm just honest, and I can say I haven't heard it here. There's questions about, you know, are you crazy? In ministry, a couple of stories. One was a church that made a commitment to purpose. I hope we all participate in Tim Tebow's um, purpose-filled mission first uh, Bible study. But purpose rules all. And we have the faith to believe that God is going to give us what we stand in need of to fulfill his purposes in our hearts and in our lives. And so we, we had conversation about we challenged that. Those comments were made. This is crazy. This is insane. Um, in terms of what it is we laid out, um, vote carried. We went forward with things. And two weeks later, two weeks later, we received two separate gifts for more than what it is that we increased our budget by. I think of a, um, another church that and by the way, we don't have a huge substantial increase in the budget. You're going to see that. I'm not setting you up for something here. Just talking about the heart. Uh, a church, too, that, um, called Faith Dyer. Maybe some of you have heard of it. At one point, it was the fastest-growing church in all of the Reformed Church and in America. And uh, they decided that they were going to have a faith-based approach to ministry. And so they... They put together a, a budget, and they turned it in. And I kid you not, this is truth. You can call them up and ask them, hey, did this ever happen? Uh, the budget they submitted was 300 times. Did you hear that? 300 times what their prior budget was. I think there were some conversations going on. I think maybe in terms of the body of Jesus Christ, I often think about that and said when we get to a congregational gathering, celebration to prove that, would that ever happen? Well, they approved it. Never had one late payment. They never missed anything. They were blessed beyond that. Why do I share those things? Because giving is always about the heart. What it is that you choose to believe and who it is that God is to you. As a body of Jesus Christ, partners in the gospel, and then as individual followers of Jesus.
does it mean for you to excel in the grace of giving? I don't know. But if you pray about it and you ask God about it and you seek to open your eyes, you'll know. Yeah. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for who it is that you are. I thank you for being the giver of all good gifts. I thank you for promising to meet all of our needs. Lord, we know that it's your will that we would live in a right relationship with you and we'd be filled with faith. We'd be filled with trust. We'd be filled with joy. We'd be filled with hope. We'd be filled with gratitude for the grace of Jesus Christ. Lord, we can sing the words. We desire to show you that in our lives. So Lord, move us, stir us, change us. Transform us, O Lord, to be people who excel in the grace of giving. Finances are the easiest thing. It's all those other things, our time, our spiritual gifts that go along with us. Help us to excel in the grace of giving. This we ask in your holy and in your precious name. Amen.